All right, so I am here with uh, Summer Like the Season, Tasha, Summer, Scott. Um, they just got done playing at Ferndale Pride, uh, and we're sitting down outside of an apartment complex, it looks like, uh, and we're gonna talk about some of their music. Um, so I wanted to start by breaking down the song Wakey, which is your most recent song that you guys put out. Uh, one of the things I'm always curious about is like, what, what came first in that track? Like, what was the first part of it? Ooh, that's a good question. With that track, I don't remember, uh, I don't remember exactly what came first in laying it down, uh, but I remember what made me decide that it was a song we're not tossing, because I make a lot of starts to songs, mm -hmm. and I think the, there was a lot of playing around probably with the vocal samples and the drums first, but the, the bass line was what made me say, like, this is a song that is going to get put out. Like, as soon as that came in, I was, that, that was kind of like, okay, this is going to be a song, not just a... 20 second thing that I throw away. <laughs> God, that's really interesting considering the bass line comes in so late in the song. Yeah. Because the first rotation of like the intro section and then that like first verse A section, if you want to call it that, mm. um, are bassless. Right. Right? Yeah. So that bass part came first. Why did you choose to leave it to come in until so late in the song if that was such an important part? Um, I thought it, it kind of hit in a really cool way. I wanted to experiment with things not all uh, coming in at once, but having this staggered feeling because the chorus is already kind of big and it starts with a pretty big mm -hmm. chorus but I loved the idea of it kind of dropping down to very little because that doesn't happen often in our other songs it, I'm a like maximalist maximalist <laughs> for sure to the maximal degree to the max. I'm a maximalist <laughs> to the max so I wanted to kind of experiment with uh, not always doing that or at least building into that okay and, yeah yeah, interesting. And that, and it, I mean, it worked well, I thought. Um, um, but then also I noticed as you guys were just playing it live, because I, I happened to walk up right when you started it, which I was really glad. Um, Tasha, the guitar part you're playing is different than the one that was on the recorded version. What made you choose to kind of uh, throw a variation on it? Mm, I feel like for a lot of the songs, because Summer writes specifically in the box, a lot of the times when we when she brings it to us, there's a lot of things that are kind of more malleable when performing it live, and that was just something I think just sort of happened as we jammed on it. Oh, Dude, we actually changed it a we, bunch. We, we, I mean, we went through many variations before. Yeah, because right. now it does the... Um, because for the live, we were talking about trying to make it a little more dramatic. Mm -hmm. Because so, in the recording, the drums don't even... They drop out fully, yeah. and it's just like an 808 kick for a while. But when we did that live... Uh, especially because we open with it a lot, it kind of felt like it got sunk into too it. little. Sadly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we added in the da 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 yeah. to make it like so it has like an '80s rock anthem yeah. thing. Yeah, because it kind of appeals to my thing. Joan Jett aesthetic anyway. Yeah. yeah. So we tried to make it more of like a like an anthem yeah. for the opening of the set. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That makes sense. Um, and then one of the things I found really interesting about that is it seems like, I mean, are those, wait, are those your voice? Is that your voice that you're sampling or is it just a vocal sample? It's my voice, okay. yeah. Um, but after you got that intro part and then you do the first um, A section, it goes into where you're talking about with the dropped out 808 kick thing. Um, and then right in the second half of that section, the melody shifts from like a really simple kind of straightforward thing to when you start singing the primary colors line. Uh -huh. That to me seems to be the point where the song goes from like a more synthy kind of pop song to almost like into more like avant-garde Bjorky territory. Right, yeah. I I actually remember when we were 
when I was writing this song, we had talked about writing a song that would be a little more accessible because I like really weird stuff, mm -hmm. but we are a pop rock indie band and we wanted to have something that people could kind of glom onto. So I wrote a very poppy chorus and then I wanted to kind of like lure people into accidentally okay. listening to a weird song. So that was a very <laughs> conscious choice of like, all right, here's where it gets like weird. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here's where I get to introduce that's Surprise. something that sounds interesting to me, which for me, music that uh, is predictable throughout uh, just kind of loses me, even if it's really good. Like even mm -hmm. if it's like really good people playing it and well written. It's just, if something doesn't, like, make me go, what? I, because <laughs> I just do sound mm -hmm. for bands constantly. I'm just at shows constantly. I hear so much music. So I'm just, I, I'm now in the place that I just like music that makes me go, what? <laughs> but I wanted to, you to get sucked in before you go, what? <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Yeah. And now you've already put in so much time, so you're probably going to listen to the rest of the song. You're stuck. Mm -hmm. you're, stuck. <laughs> you're stuck with listening you're to this. <laughs> um, the, the, I, I, I'm just obsessed with, too, the rhythm of those, like, the minimalist 808 hits and uh, just the hi-hat, or, like, it might be a really quiet snare sample. I was trying to decide. Uh -huh. um, did you plot those rhythms out first, or were you just kind of... Are, I mean, what software do you use? I use Logic. Logic, okay. Did you plot those out um, like before you had input them in MIDI, or were you just kind of like picking and choosing as you were going? How was how was the uh, the process for that? I'm trying to remember. I do both ways. Okay. Um, it depends whether it starts. There's so much bouncing back and forth now between. Uh, it used to be that I was not as good at drums as I am at producing. So I would do everything in the box and then kind of figure it out on drums and then go back and forth. Now I feel a lot more confident on drums, so I do a lot more on drums and then go to the box and back and forth. So um, with Wakey, I'm not entirely sure, but I think that um, I did a lot of, I think I played it, I'm obsessed with the caps lock keyboard, which is like, if you use, it's not even that anymore, the Logic, Logic 9, if you hit caps lock, it would bring up a MIDI keyboard that turned your, like, ABC yeah, yeah. typing keyboard into a keyboard. They changed the shortcut. It's not even caps lock anymore, but I still call it that. I don't like using, like, a real keyboard to do drum inputting. I really like playing it on the caps lock keyboard. Interesting. I don't know why. I don't know if I know anybody else production-wise who does that, but yep. that's cool. I know. It's because I think it's just, um... I think it's weird. And, <laughs> and it, um has become something that I've gotten so good at so I can do it anywhere. Like, the thing about it is you don't have to... I love the idea oh, yeah, that I, I can be... You, I watched you do that at a coffee shop in Providence for, like, hours. Yeah. I, whacking on your laptop. I, this song, Chewing Gum and Opium, I wrote on an airplane. <laughs> okay. Uh, I just like the idea that you can just, like, pop up and, like, write a song without anyone even knowing. I think you're typing an email. <laughs> really poorly. Um, really bad. Yeah. The email is just FD, FD, FD over and over again. Yeah, a very, like, strange email. <laughs> anyway, it's going to be weird, whether it's... <laughs> mm -hmm. But, yeah. Um, I, so the answer to your question is I'm not sh totally sure which one I started that. on for this song, but it often goes back and forth. Okay. Because uh, just the, the way that... The places the kicks were landing were really interesting, mm -hmm. especially in the, in the first half of that section where you have, like, a very minimal amount of... It was... I, I had it... 
I, I counted out at one point, but it was it was very minimal. Uh huh. Um, and then, so one thing you guys do a lot of is obviously you're blending a lot of traditional like acoustic and then like electric guitar uh-huh. parts with more produced digital parts. Right. Yeah. So what do you guys kind of see as the the challenges you encounter when doing that, and how do you overcome them, or are you not too concerned with balancing things? Um. <laughs> The challenges mainly come live for me. Okay. I think. I, I mean, they do come in the songwriting process. Uh, in that, if I write a song purely on guitar, without going back and forth, it's hard to all of a sudden add in electronics. It, to me, electronics are part of the soundscape to make textures. And if a song is like fully written on guitar, I, I often have a problem melding them um but but if i'm able to go back and forth while i'm writing the song um i usually i usually don't find that to be as hard as live i would say we have a huge struggle with it and the only way that it's possible is really scott he uh he plays he's he plays the computer (laughs) amongst many other things but yeah i mean we don't want to play to a click Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I've played in bands that have played two clicks, and it's, it's. I understand why people do it, but it's just not fun for me. I mean, I I, I like practicing to a click, but live, I just like to feel like the show can go. It can breathe. It can all go horribly wrong. <laughs> I like the danger. To, yeah, I like the danger. It's, the it's exciting. Um, and so the only way to not do it to a click when you're melding live stuff and electronics is to have the samples not have too much rhythmic information so that Scott can play them um, and he controls the rhythm so for to be more specific it's if it if it were to go you know if the sample was that's like that's too much it would have to get cut so it goes but yeah. then he would go you know yeah, so uh, we spent a lot of time lot cutting of time. and recutting and going like, well, this didn't work live because we could hear Shifting it getting off. So sometimes editing the samples to be different for yeah. live because mm-hmm. the okay. texture gets filled by the guitar that doesn't happen mm-hmm. in the recording or something like that. So it's, yeah, yeah that, that's go. a yeah, hard So we do brush. like, we grab, Summer writes everything. Like mm-hmm. Summer goes and punishes her laptop for, <laughs> for a few trash. days. Three or four keys missing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Summer shows up and goes like, is this a song? We're like, Sounds yeah, like it seems a like a song. And then we have to, uh, there's generally Dissect like a hundred tracks. tracks. Okay. And so we have to figure limbs. out what is the most important, what gets filled by the live instrumentation, what do we pull from these and how do we cut them and then what's gonna blend well in a live environment as opposed because you know you throw on headphones and you can mix anything to death but as far as like pushing something through a live system you're much more limited we're like cutting and remixing all of summer stuff like every week (laughs) to to just like cut it further so the answer balance is a huge part of it. Yeah. Balance is what we basically obsess over and summer's like threatened cutting songs entirely because like we're just not filling in all the spots right now. You uh-huh. know. So the balance is what we really are focused on the most for a live show, I think. And live t- Tasha does a lot of really cool things with oh, that yeah. are unconventional with the with the pedal board on mm-hmm. her guitar that um, 
often are there sounds that happen in the box that were like I wouldn't even imagine how you would make it on a guitar but she's goes like I can do it and then so we'll have it something that she's playing mm-hmm. instead of Scott triggering because she, she's doing so many other things yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let me free you up a little <laughs> yeah that's funny um so after it it does the uh the the kind of rotation it goes into that heavier part in the song um was that an instance of you saying all right it's been one thing for too long or like one texture for too long so now i'm going to jump into a kind of a new heavier space as you said about getting boring and predictable or is that another thought process that was triggering that yeah i mean i wanted to go somewhere different um uh that was kind of um I thought it was interesting to experiment with going to a bridge in kind of the middle of a song okay. instead of its typical after, you know, went A, B, yeah. C, A, B in the song. Yeah. Um, I guess it would be A, B, C, A, B, A. Yeah. Because it ends in the chorus though. Anyway. But yeah. So I wanted to experiment with a, a different place of the bridge um, and just uh, the heavier it wasn't really what I imagined when I was starting the song. It mm-hmm. kind of is what naturally fell into place. I what? I did that. I yeah. Think. Like, she liked it. She was, yeah, she was like, this is, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, your influence. I've sort of, my, my overall influence has sort of just yeah. made Summer sharper. Like, not like sharper wit, but like just crunchier okay. overall. Yeah. I mean, she's very like ethereal and textury, and mm-hmm. then I'm like, I've got this screaming guitar, okay. so it just sort of blends. The Joan Jett aesthetic, sort of right. again, right. which I'm, I'm a huge Joan Jett fan. Mm-hmm. Like I, I definitely. Hate Joan Jett. No, no. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> Here's a new band room. She Somebody told me she Jett. hated it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a huge, a huge Joan Jett fan. I like, I like crunchier stuff. She's but, crunchy. But <laughs> she gets crunchy. Nobody is doubting your crunchy credentials. Okay. Thank right. You. Definitely, crunchy, my influences kind of made her stuff. That way a yeah, more. got it. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, and then one other question I had too was listening through other tracks as well. Um, and I think you kind of answered this, but I, I wanted to ask it specifically: is there's a very there's very rarely a time on the drums where there's like a strict backbeat happening. Yeah, <laughs> there's usually a two, or sometimes there's a four. There's usually not a two and a four. Yeah. Um, so why like? What, what do you got against a backbeat? <laughs> I guess is the best way to ask it. <laughs> yeah. It's predictable. I don't Does know. Does it ever happen? That would um, be the, in the cl- one song the- that we haven't, that we don't play anymore and we never recorded. There was one song when you talked about me. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. That had a yeah. normal kind of backbeat. But then it goes to, only because then it goes to, <laughs> and it's a bridge, it goes to a really wild beat that's like super not. Oh, yeah. No. Not conventional. The heavier, the heavier part in the middle of Wakey has it's close. It's close. Yeah. yeah, it's it's your ghost in the two a little bit, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. That's a good question. I guess I. It'd be totally unexpected for us to do it, so maybe we should throw it in. Ah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I really like drum beats that that kind of draw you in and I like in a weird groove. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think that drummers in bands I've played in previous have always had like really interesting uh, influences like grabbing from a lot of jazz and um, just kind of more experimental 
beats and so that's always what I was <laughs> that was always what I was drawn to um and I'm not a real drummer. Okay. <laughs> this is all You could have fooled me. Um, yeah, I grew up... My main instrument is piano. Okay. Uh, I, like, grew up in a classical piano household, and I was definitely not allowed to... Not not allowed to play the drums, but... It, I, we had a drum set, uh, and I, my parents both taught out of the house, so it was okay. hard to practice because it had to be quiet for piano lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, no backbeats. but i think being into classical piano always made me be into uh uh complicated rhythms okay and uh when i did try to play the drums i was i always naturally had really good facility with my like small motor skills um so i could play guitar well and, and bass and i never when i first sat down to the drums it was just like I'm so bad at this. Mm. I was not natural at it. I am not athletic, which I think ties into the drums. Like, I did not... I could play the hi-hat well, which you hear a lot in my grooves, because mm-hmm. I have a lot of dexterity in my in my bounce. Um, <laughs> but, like, my legs and the lining up of things. So I think the fact that it was, like, so not natural made me obsessed with getting the off things to kind of collide together okay. in, a, in a beat. Interesting. Very interesting. I, I definitely get like a, a headhunters vibe, like Herbie mm-hmm. Hancock's headhunters on, on certain tracks. Yeah. Um, but uh, the two questions I usually like to always end with are, first off, uh, I mean, you touched on it a little bit there, but I'd like to hear it from everybody as well. Um, the music you guys make and the music you guys perform is very complex and difficult and interesting. So I'm curious, how did you guys go about learning how to make music like that? Oh, we'll start with him. He's exciting. Uh, let's see. So, I, uh, I grew up as a classical violinist, okay. and uh, then I got really sick of it after high school, so I was like, I'm going to learn how to play electric violin. Uh, so, then I did a couple of years of just, like, like really just gross prog that should never be listened to ever. I can tell by the beard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wretched. Uh so I did that, and then, uh, I don't know, I was like 19, and I was sad because I was like, no one likes what I do. <laughs> so then I went way hard the other way, and I was a champion bluegrass fiddler for a few years. <laughs> Which goes with the beard, too. <laughs> so, so I went from, like, really, really out unlistenable experimental to country western okay uh the natural progression supernatural Mm -hmm. uh and then i kind of went why am i doing this uh so i just you know i played in some rock bands uh then i got really 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 into synthesizers Mm -hmm. and obsessively collected a bunch of synthesizers. It's sad. You go into my garage and you're like, what is this person doing? Uh, uh, and then Summer, you obviously the classical piano Classical stuff, piano. But... Uh, started playing in rock bands uh, in like middle school. And my parents were like, you can figure out how to record your own bands if you want, but we're not going to like take you to a studio. So since they're both musicians, we did have recording gear around. And I started to record my bands, and I was like, 
going back and forth between my recordings and Avril Lavigne, and I was mm-hmm. like, how did they make it sound so good? <laughs> and then I became obsessed with production mm-hmm. and mixing, and I got very, very into um, how how production tricks work, how recording works, how mixing works, and I went to school for that, um, and then kind of, yeah, then that seeped into my writing. Got it. Yeah, production. Oh. Uh, I started, I was a drummer to start, I was always into percussion, I'd like sneak into like band lessons like at school, but I always loved the drums, but I couldn't start playing, like mom was not about me drumming in the house, so I didn't start playing drums until I was like 18, and then I went wild that was like fast and hard and fast and just blast beats i played in a couple of metal bands and mm-hmm. stuff i was like all about it just like ah. um and then i didn't really get into guitar until like i was early 20s and i just did like super singer songwriter stuff like did a bunch of open mics acoustic music festivals you know mm-hmm. hippy dippy mm-hmm. and uh then uh i got my first electric and I was like, oh wow, this can mix both things. And I started playing solo stuff, very kind of percussive guitar work. Okay. Like a lot of looping stuff yeah. and a lot of stuff like that. Uh, so I'm like, this is a great blend of the two because I can have a melody and I can be kind of like thuddy too. So <coughs> I didn't really get into like the pedal weird textury game until about three or four years ago because I was like so overwhelmed with all the things you can learn on guitar just as a clean channel. Uh-huh, you know, like, wow, there's yeah. so much just infinite learning here. And then you throw in pedals, I'm like, wow, I just don't want to be that guy who has like 18 computers on his pedal board and mm-hmm. doesn't know anything about any of them. Mm-hmm. So I took a lot of time getting one at a time and like working <laughs> with them and getting to know them intimately. And now it's just, it's just sort of a cluster cuss of chaos, but I like it. It's, it's fun. And especially when we have groups like, and I get to play in groups like Summers where it's a challenge and I get to learn, I get to learn new things every time we have a new song to mm-hmm. you know, play. So it's, it's exciting for me. And, yeah, I've basically been drums, guitar, and occasionally I'll bass, but my heart's... With those. Heart's yeah. um, And then the last question I'd like to ask is, if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice about making music, what would it be? Ooh. About making... I went through, like, a Rolodex of other advice. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. <laughs> oh, I got some things to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> What's appropriate to say right now? I spent a lot of time in a lot of bands with a lot of unreliable drummers. <laughs> and that was always the thing that held bands I was in back. You could never find a drummer who was both good and showed up on time or was committed. Um, I played with a lot of really good drummers that were very hard to wrangle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I play with a lot of not as good drummers <laughs> that were very <laughs> present. So, <laughs> um, so honestly, one of the biggest motivations for me starting to learn the drums was because I didn't want to play the music that I wanted to make without a drummer. And I felt like that was something that was holding me back. And people were like, it's ridiculous. You're going to learn, you're going to learn stop playing out for a few years just to learn drums to like then play your music but uh i wish i had done that even earlier because i had been thinking about doing that for a while uh yeah so past summer start learning drums even earlier uh because it's (laughs) it's it's nice to not have to rely on a, a drummer i would just say to my little self it's okay to be loud (laughs) 
it's okay. totally okay as a like especially when I started playing I was playing in like super rural like open mic country western type places mm-hmm. where if you weren't like playing the cover of Loretta Lynn they didn't want to hear it mm-hmm. and uh, and it was just really hard to be like the only chick at open mic and then constantly being like tamed like your guitar is loud and if it's feeding back it's your fault and like all that stuff like it was really hard to be an experimental loud guitarist in that time mm-hmm. and for so long I just let that like turn MPG, it down turn yeah. it down and like yeah just be loud it's okay be loud and that's how you learn just through that and through that just chaos I love it that's cool so it's gonna be <laughs> down in the dirt and then we're gonna okay. cross the rainbow bridge oh no I love alright <laughs> don't trust anybody don't trust anybody just because they say that they should be trusted or uh, like do your research be slightly tentative about business and uh follow through with things like just don't trust that the show 2,000 miles away is going to be there just because someone said it was there mm-hmm. two months ago stuff like that that's on a small level at a bigger level sign your contracts before you score a film <laughs> for a notable music group from the 90s <laughs> That may or may not threaten to murder you in Brooklyn. I like how vague you're being. (laughs) Appropriately, (laughs) legally vague. (laughs) (laughs) But. Yeah, where's the okay? (laughs) A lot of dirt. That's so much dirt. (laughs) But the thing is, is these two people right here, I trust in the van to hop in and just drive around the whole country and you've never let me down you'll never let me down i trust you 100 percent. this is earned trust Yay. and this is the greatest band that i've ever been a part of oh, Aww, I'll second the rainbow see the rainbow Aww, that was a good rainbow that was sweet. good payoff yeah um and then do you guys have anything to promote anything coming up that you guys want to mention or talk we have a about? tour coming up in okay. june june um june. Yeah, we got a June tour. We're doing the Midwest. It's June. Which right, <laughs> no, it is June. We should be on tour. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, Are you guys supposed to be here? <laughs> oh. We have in a few weeks. Get in the van. Yeah. We're getting in the van, and we're gonna be going to a bunch of cities. We're going to do it. <laughs> I don't know because we're oh because we got this we're June tour, a lot of and then we got at, at an enti- the September. entirety of September. Okay. Uh, we're going to. Uh, it's town in many different states in the Midwest. So if you look at our page, you will oh, see our them. Oh, page has it all. The really exciting places that I can mention off the top of my head that uh, we have never been to. We're going to be in Milwaukee. So exciting. <laughs> so exciting. We're going to be in Milwaukee. You came in with so much confidence. We're going to be in Minneapolis. We're going to be in Omaha. We're going to be in Joliet, Illinois. I just drove through there a couple days ago. Our friends of Joliet. Um... We are, yeah, <laughs> St. Louis. St. Louis. Uh, all Cincinnati. Cincinnati. We, last time we were supposed to play Cincinnati, we all Ooh. got the flu and we had to cancel the show. So. so we're coming back. We're, we're going to make here. it this time. We're going to be there. 
that's We're sick. gonna play it. That's sick. Okay. Yeah. And then, but yeah, if you if you stay tuned, we will also be doing a West Coast tour in September, cool. and there's an album coming. Coming, coming. It's being written, but it's coming. Cool, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys very much for sitting down with me and sharing your uh, wonderful knowledge. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having us. Of course. <laughs>